I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. Uh, Welcome. Uh, I don't know if I said, my name's not Pastor Gerald. I'm Mark Schmidt. Yeah, uh, Beats here today. Yeah, so get ready for a bumpy and wild ride. Um, I'm the youth pastor around here. If you not the pastor, youth pastor. So if you're like, "Hi, this guy's jumpy," uh, that's that's what I do. Okay, I'm just I'm, I'm I work with youth students. It's what I love. It's a great thing. So uh, anyone uh, like going to the dentist? Whoa, whoa! Did not see that one coming. There's a few hands raised here. Wow. Uh, Okay, well, I, I just went on Thursday, you know, and I, I didn't mind it, I guess. It was a good thing for me to do, but I was just curious. Um, this week, when I was there, I was asked by the dentist, you know, just some curious questions, just some generic questions, you know, like, when did you move here? You know, where are you from? Uh, what do you do? Uh, you know, like, I was able to say, well, I substitute teach now, which is cool. And then she's like, oh, how long? Like, like a week? <laughs> like, I just quit. I was like, well, what did you do before that? Well, uh, I was at the post office. Oh, so you quit the post office? Yes, yes, I did. Um, you know, and I substitute teach. And then I was also able to inform her, you know, I just got a job here at the church, which is really cool. And I want to just say one thing. Like, I just accepted a position here. I want to make sure everyone knows I'm very humbled by this. I do not take it for granted. I do not take this opportunity for granted. And I just wanted to let you all know that I'm here to serve you. Uh, and as we began to talk about, you know, like, how long have you been working in youth ministry? Well, I've, I've been working for about 14 years. Ever since I got out, I, I, I was 18, and I was like, yeah, I want to work with students. I, I, I'm like-minded. I'm a child myself. So it works, you know. Uh, so for over 14 years, and she probably didn't think twice about the conversation, but that curiosity is within all of us. We all begin to be curious, you know. Um, we're curious about things we're watching, things we're eating. Like, oh, what was that taste? Where did, when did I taste that before? Uh, hey, did that guy voice that character in that show? You know, we're curious about different things. Anyone watch the Food Network? I, I know it's... We're streaming everything today. We stream everything, so maybe the Food Network is, isn't our time anymore. But when I was younger, we didn't have these streaming services. Food Network was the place to be. Okay, and there was a show called Unwrapped. Okay, does anyone remember the show Unwrapped? Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, my curiosity itch was definitely itched. Okay, because they would go through all of America's favorite foods, favorite snacks, Twinkies, Ho-Hos, Doritos. I don't care. Look at me now. Um, you know, like, they went through everything. But uh, what I really enjoyed was sometimes they would give a backstory, the origin story. Like, did you know that the Oreo is actually the off-brand and the off-brand one? Like, back in the 1900s, it was actually Hydrox, and the Oreo off-brand, four years later, was like, uh, we're going to win this cookie, roar, cookie war to become milk's favorite cookie, and they did. Hydrox, no one knows what that is, and Oreo's like, that's the place to be. And 
It is. It's Oreos are delicious. But that's the Oreo. Or, uh, Oreo. That's the origin story of the Oreo. Okay. So that's that's fact. And it really dawned on me that we really are drawn to origin stories, whether it's about a cookie, whether it's about Spider-Man, whatever it be, we're drawn to that origin story. This week, we begin a series in Genesis, in the beginning. The title of my message is The Origin Story. In the next 25 minutes, I only hope to start a process. I'm not going to be able to explain everything that's entailed and involved. I only hope to, ex- to, to reveal certain truths about the origin of humanity and reveal certain truths about our purpose. That being said, I invite you all to stand as we read Genesis 1, 1 through 5. Reading from the NLT version, and it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed, morning came, marking the first day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now I pray that our hearts are softened. That everyone in this room, our hearts are softened to the words that are going to be spoken. Lord, I pray that your word is being spoken, not mine. I pray that you would use me as an instrument to give you glory, to speak your truth. And Lord, pray that people know my heart, that people would know your heart. You are a loving God. Pray that as we listen to your word, let it speak to us. I pray that we would not turn away. That this would begin a conversation in each and every one of us outside these walls. And that we would begin to thirst and hunger for more of you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, all God's children said, amen. Have a seat. Say hi to everyone. If you're online, send a pizza emoji. All that jazz. It's all good. By the way, I do get nervous, so I apologize. Um, thank you, thank you. I'm glad you guys are here for me. And I usually do this with students, and they're wonderful. I usually tell them, hey, shut up, kid, and then they shut up. But I stole that line. I can't. Josiah, thank you. That's my favorite line now. Uh, but uh, as we read uh, in, in this first verse, the purpose of Genesis one and two is to tell a story of God creating the universe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This brings me to my first point. God the creator. Now, early civilizations, you know, thousands of years ago, as, as they're living this life, just like we are today, uh, whether... You lived 1,000 years, 2,000 years, 4,000, whatever it be, to now. We're all on the search to, where did this all begin? You know, 
as you, as you are growing up from the age of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and you're uh, you you start to think more critically, and you're like, how did we get here, mom? How did we get here, dad? You know, like we're 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 wanting to know those answers. In uh, early civilizations, uh, they had many stories about how this world came to be. Uh, the nation would believe in a polytheistic type religion with many gods. Uh, you know, these guys had this god. These guys had that god. Uh, there's many gods. And like, oh, your god's good. Oh, I like that. Okay, we'll do that over there. You know, there was many different thoughts, many different theories, many things going around. And early on when this is being written down uh, to Moses to give to his people, uh, God's like, okay, I got I to gotta settle this once and for all. I got to uh, show them uh, the nation of Israel who is coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land of Canaan that I am God. So this newly formed nation needed to understand the truth that there was only one God. And that is what Genesis is going about. They're going about uh, trying to fix this idea because they're surrounded by every other thought. I mean, if you go outside right now, everyone has a different belief. Atheism, Islam, Christianity, uh, you know, name it, whatever, whatever it is. Everyone's got a belief. And I'll, I'll tell you the truth, belief is relative. Truth is objective. Israel's God was unique. In contrast to this ancient belief, God asserts that humankind, male and female, was the goal of his creation. Moses goes about uh, deconstructing this idea of polytheistic gods, many gods, and bringing and re replacing it with one God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, when you look up this word, Hebrew, God, uh, it, it means Elohim. And this Hebrew word, it, it's pointing to this idea of majesty, of sovereignty, of awesome power. This word in, in itself is actually plural if you look it up, which is kind of weird, kind of strange. You're like, but I thought it was a monotheistic religion. Well, this word in uh, uh, Elohim is plural in the sense, not in the sense of many gods, but in the fullness of deity. That is, that is what it's referring to, the fullness of God. And Christians would point to this saying, this verse right here is explaining the three in one. And there's many other verses throughout the, the first few chapters, throughout the whole Bible. There's always references to understanding the Trinity. You know, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So, as we're reading this, God asserts himself as the one and only true God Worthy of worship and worthy of allegiance. In the beginning, God. Now, some might come and say to this, okay, but that doesn't explain how everything was created. That's the thing. Genesis isn't looking to speak about scientific terms, about how it was created. God is not looking to speak to ask or answer individual questions throughout time. He's looking to answer one question, a theological question. Who created? 
He's not looking to answer these uh, scientific questions of how was everything created. It's our task as modern readers to concentrate on who created. It was God. We're not going to waste time trying to answer every other question that comes about. Now, now let me be clear. You, some of you guys are critical thinkers. If, if, you, if you look to Bill and Pete here, they want to know, why does this happen? What, what, what's happening here? Bill and Pete, they're regular attenders, and I'm telling you, if, if you give them something, they're going to deconstruct it, reconstruct it, and they're going to figure out how this thing works. Me, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to spend that time. Anyone here have a car? Most people have vehicles of some sort. You've ridden, you've driven in a car, you've, you've been in a car. What does that car do? It keeps you warm in the winter. Lord knows we know, need it. Uh, it keeps you cool in the summer, and it gets you from point A to point B really fast. And if we didn't have that right now, guess what? We'd be walking everywhere, and it would kind of be a bummer. Uh, it would be a bummer, okay? Your life would just be dragged down a few notches. It wouldn't be as good. It wouldn't be as convenient. Who here knows how to work on cars? Okay, uh, yeah, Bill, yeah, this guy over here. Okay, there, there's a few people who know how to work on cars. Okay, so guess what? This illustration might not exactly work with you, but guess, follow me, okay? Some of us know how to maybe change a light. Some of us know how to change a tire, maybe. Some of us know how to change our brakes. S surprisingly, I've done that. And then my wife said, okay, no more after this one. You just go and get it done. Okay, none of this. You're wasting too much time, okay? And it, I've wasted a lot of time. Uh, but... Uh, I don't know everything about the car. If my transmission breaks, all I know is, okay, this thing's broken. I need something to fix it. If, if uh, you know, the motor breaks, someone's got to fix it. And what do I do? I bring it to a mechanic. Poof, it's done. I'm ready to roll. I'm not looking to understand what the mechanic is doing. I'm just like, dude, fix it. I'll pay the bill. Ouch, that hurts. Um, you know, and then I'm good to go, though. I'm not not exactly looking to understand how it works. Now, again, this illustration breaks down. If you're a mechanic, you're like, well, but I know how to make it work. I can reconstruct it. I can make it work. Okay, well, keep listening, and you'll, you'll see how my illustration still works, or it could make sense. Uh, this first chapter of Genesis reveals God's identity as creator and language that makes sense to every sort of audience. He is just saying, in the beginning, God. God created. If you had an instruction manual of how to be God, maybe you could <laughs> deconstruct everything that God did and then reconstruct it. You're not God. We're not God. So eventually, you're going to have many questions in your life. Well, God, how did this happen? How does that happen? You're never going to understand everything that God did scientifically and like to the levels of how the water came and, and how everything happened. We will never understand God completely. If you're God is small enough to understand he is not big enough to worship. 
If you can understand everything that God is speaking to you and you don't have any questions, then he is not a God worthy of worship. Our God is Elohim. Majesty, sovereignty, awesome power. The aim and clarity of the authors of, of the author of Genesis 1 and 2 is concerning one truth that he created the heavens and the earth. We need to understand that. So, that being said, move on. Uh, so, we focused on who God is, Elohim. Now let's focus on what God did. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So that brings us to our second point, earth the created. Now, everyone on this earth has seen the beauty of God. We've all seen just all of creation, everything that God has to offer. You look outside, you look at, at, at just the, the wonder of his creation and everything that he's created. You don't need to look further to know that there was a God who created everything in this world. You don't need to look far. In Romans 1, 19 through 20, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. We know the truth about God. Every single one of us, everyone in here, everyone out there, everyone on this planet, I don't care where you're from. If you're from America, if you're from Ukraine, I don't care where you're from. Nepal, everyone is without excuse. We can all see the attributes of God. We can all know that God is all-powerful. Genesis 1-2 describes a scene of chaos. So he starts his creation right here. This is his uh, blank canvas, if you would. Uh, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. The world was a chaos of wasteness, emptiness, and darkness. Now, the word created means to fashion anew. It means that God renewed what was in a chaotic state. God changed chaos into the cosmos. He changed disorder into order. He changed emptiness to fullness. The heavens and the earth means all of, all of creation. And then he begins to lay out a simple plan, a format, if you would, of what he did. Verses uh, 3 through 5. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And the evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. So in verse 3, God begins to uh, his act of creation, beginning by functioning, and bringing order to the earth. He creates out of nothing by his divine power. He merely speaks a word and everything comes into being. Light, just like that. And as a result, God establishes himself as the sovereign king over all creation. 
He created out of a blank canvas a, a masterpiece. Now, are there any uh, parents in here who have children who, when they paint something or create something, their first whatever, and they're like, wow, this was really awesome. You know, like maybe you save it on your, on your fridge or something. You're like, oh, that was a great job, Susie, or something. I don't know. And like, you know, they're, they're really proud of their, of their child. And in fact, if, if, not even if you're a child, if you're a person in here, if, you have, if you've ever painted anything or created something, you're, you're proud of yourself. You're like, I did good. Now, if you create something, who gets the credit? You do. Uh, Michelangelo, when he uh, created the Sistine Chapel, who got the credit? Michael did. If you create something, you get the credit. Take, for example, this picture. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that was me. That was me. Because I was a mailman, and I was like, I'm going to paint a mailbox. But yeah, I totally made that awesome artwork. It was awesome. I loved it. It was cool. Okay. But uh, remember, uh, I loved it. My wife was loving of it. She loves me. Okay. And then that, that, that youth student who thought it was trash, well, he's a critic. Okay. Everyone's a critic. But no matter what any critic would say, that's, that's true. Sorry. I just realized what was spoken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's my favorite. I love my students. Not all, I don't pick favorites. Okay, moving on. Um, so, no matter what any critic would say, I didn't create this for them. I created it for myself. I created the painting. I created it. I get to give its value and its worth. At the end of chapter 1 in Genesis, God spoke. Or it's written that then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. God saw that it was good. Earth, the created, was good. Now, I try to do this. I don't want the credit, okay? That's not, that's not me. That's not me, okay? Now, one of our students, Allie, she totally drew this thing, okay? And if we do a side-by-side -side comparison, you know, I think mine's better, okay? I'm a little biased. But you, you, you guys can see it. Test, yeah, test, yeah, test, yeah. Test, test, test one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Test, test. Good job, Allie. She's great at art. She's great at a lot of things. A lot of our students are great. Um, but if we did the peer review process, I mean, obviously we can tell that hers was probably better. Most people would assess that this painting or this drawing was better than my painting. That's fine. That's fine. It's fine. But what, what, what we can, we can see that there's a peer review process that you can compare does God have a brother? Does God have a cousin or another person who is as equal as him? No. So there is no peer review process that's going on. There is no we can decide if something's good or not. 
God defines what is good and what is bad. God defines the morals in life. We don't. That is the truth that we have to come to. If there is a God that we just talked about, that there is someone who definitely created everything, that means our morals and everything, right and wrong, we do not get to decide that. God does. God defines what is good and what is wrong. And I am telling you that God saw that it was good. Creation was good. Now, we've talked about God and how he's the creator. We've talked about the earth, the created. Now, I want to bring it home with this last point, man, the image. Human beings have significance. You know, God created the earth, and in Genesis 2, he presents a more personal picture of creation. He created the earth, but now there's a more intimate relation with human. As God's creative finale, God created Adam and Eve. Humankind is the crown of God's labor. In Genesis 2, 7, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. God personally forms the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life. He took mud, he took clay, and he fashioned it. With with light, he merely spoke words into existence, but he took tender care into forming us, into creating us. He breathed life into it. This breath might be describing the infusion of the human spirit with its morals, its intellectual, its relational, and its spiritual capacities. This breath of life gives us life. And God showed tender care and intimate concern in the way he formed man. Now moving on into Genesis chapter 2, a a little bit further, 21 and 22. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, praise God, and he brought her to the man. God fashioned woman from the side of man. God could have started over, but he didn't. He caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, took a rib from him, and by this way I believe that there was more of an identification from Adam with his partner and that it would be, no, 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 she is mine. We are connected. We are one. So our origin story starts here. Humankind's significance originates first from its relation to God. We're going to move back to chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. They will reign over everything. Verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The Lord made Adam and Eve in his image and likeness. 
An image is a physical representation uh, that points to some other person or deity. That is what an image does. It points to someone else. And this means that humans, if, if we are the image of God, we are commissioned as actual representatives of God to rule over this world, and we are called to steward and guard God's good world on his behalf. Again, verse 27 said, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male, female, he created them. I know that this truth is very controversial to a lot of society. A lot of society wars at this. It's not too friendly to this idea. I want to be very careful. I want to be empathetic. I want to be sympathetic. But our world is much too open to this idea that you do you. Follow your heart. Only you can define who you are. Create your own truth. Now, I, I want to be clear. Those words, those phrases, they, they come from a good heart. They come from a good place. I believe that. I believe that. The, the, the people who believe in those things, they come from a great heart of sympathy and empathy, and they really do care. They really do love. I do believe that. I just got this job at the, the, as substitute teaching. I've been in the schools. I 100% believe that the schools care about their students. They really do. In the, 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 the heart of it, they, they really care. I mean, every sign I walk and see in the hallways are always about be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. I love that. I love that. So don't get me wrong. I believe that they come from a good heart, a good place, and they have every good intention. However, their emotions are driving truth. We can have empathy. We can have sympathy. We can care. But they can't be in front of truth. One thing I make sure I tell our students is take your truth to its furthest conclusion. Where does that leave you? When I was growing up, here's, here's a hard truth. This is, this is truth bomb right here. If you believe in atheism and there is no God, then what's your purpose? What is your purpose? What does that bring you to? If there is no God and you have no purpose, what are you living this life for? And when you think about that and take it to its furthest conclusion, please, there is no point in living. And that seems dark and void of purpose. And you're right. That's truth. That's if there is no God. You take your truth to its furthest conclusion, that's what it leaves you with. And if, if, if that's what you desire, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think any of us should. We weren't created with that intent. If you dig deeper beyond these phrases that sound good, they're flowered up, they sound great. Every one of them. They, 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 they sound inspiring. I see them hanged up in the hallways at our schools. I'm like, wow, they have really good intention. However, you have to dig deeper. That's the surface level. If you dig deeper, where does that leave you at? It leaves you at the center of it. You are at the center of your world. 
you see how that's a problem? That's a problem. Because then you have become your own God. And if you are God, tell me, why are you filled with guilt? Why are you filled with shame? Why are you void of all purpose? Can you save yourself from death? Can you save yourself? No, you, you can't. We're all going to die someday. That's another truth that, that I make sure to be sympathetic and empathy towards our students because stu many students haven't learned about death, but many of you have, have lived long enough to know that death is real, and it is true, and it is hard. You can't save yourself from death. You can't be your own God. Only the author can define who we are. And God defined us as man and woman. That's it. That's a hard truth. It's, 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 it's a truth that our society does not like. But I can't let emotions drive truth. I have to let truth drive truth. I have to let truth reign in my heart, in our lives. And from this pulpit, we have to speak the truth. We can have empathy. Please, if you struggle with any of this, if you struggle with your identity, please come, please talk to me afterwards. I would love to be with you and speak with you and pray with you. But we have to know that truth must be spoken. There's one who loves you. There is one who forgives you. And David, this is what he spoke about him. Psalm 139, 13 through 14. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex that your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. If you're struggling with any of this, know this. God knit you in your mother's womb. You are made in the image of God, and we are made to reflect his majesty. You don't need to look to anyone else to find your value. You don't need to look to anyone else to find your worth. God defined you. The same way that I created that art piece of art, I created the art. I define its borders, its boundaries, everything about it, and I made it the way that I wanted it to be made. And God made you the way that he made you. Man or woman, we do not get to choose and decide that for ourselves. An artist by the name of Propaganda, I get to listen to some music, and this is, this is what he said, and I thought it was really intriguing and good. But worth, value, and beauty is not determined by some innate quality. We don't get to define that. It's not by, determined by some innate quality, but by the length for which the owner would go to possess them. And broken and ugly things just like us are stamped excellent with ink tapped in wells of divine veins. Worth, value, and beauty, they are determined by the length to which the owner would go to possess them. Our owner, our God, to the cross. And we are stamped excellent with ink tamped in wells of divine veins. We were made in the image of God and we reflect His majesty. Worship team, you can come up.
This morning, I've spoken some hard truth. It is not easy for me to bring this because I know how much our society deals with this. I know what our society thinks about this. I've talked to our students, and they won't tell me certain thoughts all the time, but then I'll ask, well, what would other students think about this? And then they unload everything, and the world does not like this. But Genesis declares that there is a one true God. He is the author of all creation. He brings order, he brings function, and he brings beauty out of the dark. He created all of creation. He created humankind, man and woman, male and female. And we are called to reflect the Creator's creativity. We are called to reflect His goodness. We are called to reflect His character in the world. We're going to go into another song of worship. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to pray for you as well, but... If any of this you struggle with, if there is something that I've said that may may have offended you, please stay after and talk with me. Don't don't listen. Don't 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 think that I don't care. I do care. But I know that this is hard. And Right now, I want to offer an opportunity. If you've never accepted Jesus into your life, I want to offer that opportunity through prayer. Because God doesn't come to make bad people good. He, 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 he came to make dead people live. He says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised them from the dead, you will be saved. So, if that's you this morning, uh, let's bow our heads. I'm going to lead us in, a, in prayer. In your heart, just repeat these words. Lord, forgive me. I know that you are God. I know that you are the author. And Lord, I, I just give you my life right now. Make something from this this chaos, creates something beautiful. Lord, I, I know that you rose from the dead. I believe. I give you my life and I make you Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, again, I say that if, if you said those words, if you prayed that prayer, it doesn't officially make you saved. I want to be clear. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, and believe in your heart. You did the believing in your heart. That's good. Come talk to me. Online, come talk to me. Come talk to someone. Confess with your mouth. Let's talk you through this. Let's bring salvation to your home today. I believe that. For the rest of the service, we're going to sing a song of worship. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing, and we're just going to believe in the good things of God. We're going to believe in 
go out as image bearers of God, reflecting His creativity and His goodness. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone in this room. I pray for this entire service, Lord. I pray that my words were not spoken. It was your words, Lord, that your truth would prevail. Lord, I pray that you would meet people where they're at. I pray that you would be glorified through everything that was spoken. And I pray a blessing on everyone who entered these doors today that they would know that there is a God. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.